Through innovation, academic excellence, and family-centered clinical care, Children's Mercy Kansas City is transforming outcomes for children around the world. Welcome to the audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host, Dr. Michael Smith. Our topic today is thermal laser ablation. My guest is Dr. Christian Kaufman. Dr. Kaufman is a pediatric neurosurgeon with Children's Mercy Kansas City, and he's an assistant professor of pediatric surgery at the University of Missouri Kansas City School of Medicine. Dr. Kaufman, welcome to the show. Thank you. So let's just start off real simple question, right? What, what exactly is thermal laser ablation? Well, uh, what we usually call stereotactic uh, laser or thermal ablation is essentially a technique uh, wherein we can access uh, small structures in the brain, uh, either deep or superficial, uh, apply a laser uh, current that heats the tissue and essentially causes cell death in uh, the region that is heated, uh, thereby destroying the tissue. Right. And these pers- now this is obviously MRI guided, correct? This is guided uh, directly in the MRI. So the key is, as opposed to older we say stereotactic techniques, we see what's going on exactly while it's happening. We see it live as opposed to older techniques where they would use radiofrequency ablations or radiation ablations. Those uh, techniques destroy the cells, but it's kind of some guesswork involved because we, they, at that, those times when those techniques are used, you don't know exactly how much tissue damage is occurring. So what makes so that's it? Yeah. So 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 just to review that real quick. So being able to visualize basically exactly the results when it's happening. Yes. Obviously, that's a huge benefit, right? <laughs> huge benefit because it's like because again we're often talking about deep critical structures in the brain, uh, and seeing that live thermal map that shows exactly the area of tissue involvement is is fundamentally extremely important and allows, vastly increases the safety and accuracy of what we can do with it. So who are, who's the, you know, the key candidate for this, for this uh, procedure? Uh, essentially, it's, uh, it was primarily, at least initially, intended for use uh, in targeting small, deep tumors. Uh, so patients who have small, deep uh, tumors uh, often... Um, to get there surgically from a traditional open surgery requires a large exposure, large, we say, craniotomy, um, requires moving the brain, a uh, healthy brain, uh, in a way that could cause damage to that tissue. Um, and by instead targeting it through a very small tube and getting down with minimal uh, adjustment to the brain um, allows for uh, kind of an ideal situation where you don't disturb the healthy brain and only target specifically the deep uh, abnormal tissue. So again, patients with deep, uh, somewhat smaller tumors are, are ideal candidates, but we've also found that uh, certain patients who have certain forms of epilepsy that is arise from deep structures in the brain also uh, benefit greatly from having that tissue, that abnormal tissue damaged uh, intentionally with the thermal ablation, and it helps significantly improve their seizure control. Let's look at it from a patient perspective. What, mm-hmm. how, what is it like for them um, in, in, prep, in preparing for this, the actual procedure? How, you know, how quick do they get out of the hospital? Run sure. us through what it's like for the patient. Yep. Again, it, it helps to understand what, 
what the traditional way of approaching many things many of these things is if you look at a traditional open craniotomy for say epilepsy um oftentimes it requires uh, up to two surgeries or more to implant electrodes to map cortical areas to find targets um those those are situations where families are spending uh up to 3 to 4 days in intensive care units sometimes longer with 7 to 8 day hospital stays and uh comparison with a a targeted thermal ablation patients come in uh for their procedure it's performed that in the uh in the magnetic uh resonance image room the MRI room um because it's such a small hole, we are able to close it successfully using usually only one to two small sutures, and they go home the next day. So um, we're changing right. a you know potentially week-long stay, including intensive care unit stays, into a one-day stay without uh, ICU. Uh, stay. Right. So be- benefits benefits to not just you as a clinician. Um, you're able to target what you want. You see the results you want. There's better results, and, and the, it's better for the patient all the way around. So this is a very positive thing. Yes, yes. Well, why don't we do this? Let's share a little bit of some of your experience using uh, thermal laser ablation and, and some of the outcomes you've experienced uh, in your practice and at Children's Mercy. So just talk a little bit about the outcome you see. Um, so far, uh when we talk about use of the, the thermal ablation system uh, again in epilepsy surgery, uh, again a traditional uh, epilepsy surgery is a long stay in the hospital. Although the traditional open approach we know is very successful and it works great for properly selected patients and they have very good uh, seizure control outcomes, we are getting comparable results with thermal ablation. Is it quite as good? No. Um, whereas we can have seizure control rates, excellent seizure control rates in about 80 to 85% of the time with open surgery. With thermal ablation, you know, those numbers are reduced to, say, perhaps 60-65% of the time. However, in doing so, the complication risk for the thermal ablation is dramatically smaller. The risk of the patient's smaller. And if for some reason that technique doesn't work, then we can always still do the traditional surgery. So we don't burn any bridges, so to speak, uh, surgically, or, or we don't burn any options for the patients, um, no pun intended, uh, when we do the thermal ablations. So it's a, it's a technique we can use. If it's successful, great. It's relatively low risk, which is also great. It's a short hospital stay. All the things that are highly desirable. Uh, and then so far, as of now, we have not, for our epilepsy patients, we have not yet had to do uh, an open surgery uh, uh, due to a you know, essentially a complete failure of the technique. So that's also you know been great so far. Right. Well, in where do you think the, this? No, go ahead. Yep. In regards to the tumor patients we've had, again, um, the most recent patient we had had a, a, a relatively or significantly deep tumor um, surrounded by some very challenging blood vessels that to do an open procedure would have been essentially dangerous, um, would have been a very high-risk procedure, uh, could have caused significant stroke or damage to the brain. We were able to successfully navigate between those vessels with the the stereotactic laser uh, and completely uh, ablate the entire uh, tumor tissue 
and again was able to go home within a day uh, without any damage to the surrounding brain tissue. So wh- where do you think the future of stereotactic laser ablation is? I mean, where, where do you see this going in, in future applications? Well, already we're seeing, both at our institution and around the country, we're seeing a, a dramatic, uh, almost exponential uh, number of cases being performed. Uh, neurosurgeons, both adult and pediatric neurosurgeons, are, are recognizing this technology uh, immediately for the huge boon that it is. Uh, and I think we're going to see a dramatic increase in the number of applications for it just because because it's so low risk, because it uh, offers uh, a lower complication rate, and again, typically compo results without destroying options uh, for for more open techniques. I, I think it's going to become a frontline uh, kind of go-to procedure for many intracranial pathologies uh, instead of jumping ahead to the bigger surgeries. And from the from the surgeon's perspective, uh, what kind of extra training do they go through for this? Um, pretty extensive. What did you have to go through to to be an expert in this procedure? Um, typically, all neurosurgeons, or not typically, all neurosurgeons are trained uh, by virtue of training to do what we saw called stereotaxy, which is, again, targeting small areas of the brain uh, through small incisions. It's one of the oldest techniques in all of neurosurgery. It's over 100 years old. Uh, traditionally, it was done with a frame where a metal frame was actually bolted to a patient's skull as uh, kind of medieval as that sounds, but it allowed right. for very specific accuracy through a, a small hole. In the past about 20 years, uh, through technological advances, we've been able to do what we say call frameless stereotaxy. So through the aid of MRIs and CT scans, we're able to um, achieve the same sort of results through small holes uh, without having to bolt a frame to someone's skull. Um, so frameless stereotaxy is kind of part and parcel of every neurosurgeon's training. So essentially, the only difference between this is it's a it's a kind of a technology thing. Instead of passing an electrode uh, or any other device, um, biopsy needle, what have you, we're just passing a, a thermal catheter. So from a procedural standpoint, it's it's still the same as many other stereotactic procedures. It's now we're, we're, we have a new technology that we can apply these. Uh, surgical techniques to and use the newer technology to achieve these results. Well, Dr. Kaufman, I want to thank you for the the work that you're doing. I want to thank you for coming on the show. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. Thanks for listening.